You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Green Mountain Dental Group is based out of Lakewood, and they're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like everyone here at DNVR. When you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush, and be sure to tweet at everyone to let us know you went. They're only 15 minutes from downtown, and they've been a longtime partner with us here at DNVR, so be sure to show them some love and get that free Sonicare toothbrush. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon, Cole J.T. Comfer, 877 goals now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits, my go-to shop for Breckenridge Brewery, which is also the official beer of DNVR. I'm Rudo. Joining me is AJ Hayfley, as always, and with the wrapping up of a very popular sports documentary show just last weekend. The Last Dance is officially over, and the look behind the scenes of Michael Jordan's final season with the Chicago Bulls is done. AJ, did you, in fact, binge it all last night? Um, I have made it through seven episodes. Okay, so you've seen most of it. Yeah, I have uh, just the very end here, getting ready to go. They are in the postseason of MJ's last year. All right, so... AJ has seen the most of it. I really have not seen very much of it. But to my understanding, the premise was that it was just a behind-the-scenes look at MJ's last real push for a championship. I know he came back with the Wizards and all of that mess later, but that's yeah. a whole different thing. Uh, so the question we figured we would ask on today's podcast is, if there was going to be a show like that on the Colorado Avalanche, which year would it be? Who would it focus on? What types of things would be going on there in a behind-the-scenes look at this team? I have a couple ideas in mind, but AJ, if you want to pick one for starters, we can jump off from that point. I mean, I think the obvious one for, for anybody, right, would be 2001. Sure. That the they, Cinderella story was already built there, <laughs> right? And they were they were coming off of a really bitter loss in 2000 that they could start it from, um, convincing Ray Bork to come back for his last full full NHL season. 
you know, Sackick with one of his worst postseason performances ever. Yep. Um, in 2000, and hey, we need him to be better. Just a a, a dominant regular season team. Uh, Mission 16W losing Forsberg in the postseason, taking on the defending champs in the Cup Finals, seven games, winning it at home. Everything about it was just. It's, it's made for a documentary. Yeah, man, it, I, it just was. I totally didn't even think about that. Like, imagine having a behind-the-scenes crew panicking around the hotel as, like, Forsberg gets loaded into a an ambulance. Right, and, like, the the, the footage of, yep. of the hotel, of the restaurant or whatever, when he, he's, he's sick and yep. he's got to leave, and then he's getting, you know, then they take him to the hospital and... You know, Pierre Pierre Lacroix and, and Bob Hartley are standing around in the hospital like, oh, my God, are you serious with this? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, like, the uh, the low-hanging fruit here is 2001. Um, just all of the all of the all-time great players involved in it, the, <clears throat> you know, talking, you can talk to the opposing teams uh, about what it was like to play against them. And, and, you know, you talk to Marty Brodeur, you talk to the devils, whatever. Well, yeah. I mean, you have that great story about how much Brodeur struggled with the altitude and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Start getting some of that stuff, uh, on camera. Yeah. So <laughs> it would be, I, I feel like if you were going to start it off somewhere, I mean, 2001 is like the obvious season hard. Yes. You know, um, and then and then of course they did have the documentary crew follow the two thousand. Uh, I think it was two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah, the, the Solani, the Solani Korea app. Yeah, the the super team that ended up not being such a super yeah. team in the end. <laughs> the super team that wasn't. Yes, uh, and they have that. I mean, that's you can go watch that on YouTube right now. Yep. So that's the, I think those are like the easy, the easy, plain answers that aren't aren't very fun to think about. I mean, like they'd be great stories for different but reasons, but not particular. Most of the stories have already come out about those seasons too, as well. At this point, you don't have the yeah. behind the scenes footage, which would be great, but there wouldn't be any big like revealing when it comes to those. Yeah, it would be it would be fun to see behind the scenes stuff you know wah especially after game six where he was just like we're not losing yeah, the series right not happening yeah <laughs> so i i would agree with you that i think those two are the the wheat separated from the chaff a little bit as far as slam dunks to make into something but there are plenty more interesting seasons else yeah i would start personally with 13 14 yeah um i'm super interested what that locker room was like particularly because i want to know truly how much that team believed in itself on any given night because that team consistently got so insanely lucky and on the one hand, they seemed like this invincible team that no matter what happened, they were going to come back in the dying seconds and win the game as the Cardiac Kids. But at the same time, that locker room had to know there this was not sustainable, right? Right. You can't just keep living like that. Yep. So 
I would be really interesting to see like what they were working on, what they were trying to like sort out, how much everyone was behind the team at that point in 13, 14 in the locker room. And obviously Patrick was first year as head coach was something you could follow a ton in that season as well. He gave, didn't even need the behind the scenes to watch him knock the glass down in game one. So yeah. Uh, and and honestly, I'm sure we'll get into this more, but any of the Patrick Wah years and and what he was like as a coach behind the scenes would be great. I, I know you had the the pleasure of getting into that a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, they could have the behind the scenes uh, of practice the day after the game that in Denver against the Capitals where he talked about during the presser, he said, you know, oh, we gave up too many scoring chances. We gave up too many, too many quality chances. We weren't comfortable with it. I won't get into the numbers of it. And then as he was walking away, he, he left the room. He popped his head back in real quick. And then he told us what the number was. And we all went, oh, and then he disappeared again. <laughs> Gasped faces. Seriously. We all were like, oh, that would totally make the um the like advertisement for the show <laughs> a bunch yeah. of a bunch of news guys like it, well let's let's be real it wasn't a bunch okay a couple it was it was you chambers um uh, it might have been it might have been terry fry by that point yeah uh because they took chambers off the beat okay um to cover du for a little bit, because gotcha. remember DU was yeah there, yeah like, they were on their champ run basically yeah and they had those they had that co- those couple of years where Chambers was splitting time between the two yep um and then JJ yeah is that it it I think so <laughs> and then like the news crews sure the actual news crews and like the yeah. abs in house people but. Yeah, but then like the altitude guys that show up down, like Kyle and and Connor and all them, like they did not weren't at the pressers and stuff. Yeah, he was always sitting in the back, but and he's always been there. But those guys did not used to come to uh, practices and stuff ever. Yeah, you know, Mosier didn't even come to practice that often. He's he was still kind of hit or miss, just because that's the busiest guy on the planet. That guy says yes to everything and just does stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's he just goes 400 miles an hour, 20 hours a day. So there you go. Well, maybe we uh, we're discovering we we don't need this show because AJ's just gonna give us all the behind yeah, the scenes info. Right, I was there. <laughs> I just remember stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, there uh, there were some that the Waz last year was a pretty interesting season. Yeah, I'd have I've liked Waz last year as well. It was it was I would say Waz last year as coach is like fifth or sixth on my list. Um just because watching the relationship Well yeah, you'd deteriorate. You would have to include the following off season in that as well, I would think. Yeah. But Yeah, we're where it ends with him quitting. Right, and you know where he doesn't tell anyone in the abs organization. You just traded my best defenseman at the draft kind of thing, yeah. He he uh it wasn't even at the draft. They traded Nick Holden in the middle of the day on some random day. It was it was I was not that long before the draft, I thought. It, but 
it, I was in a movie theater for it. So that, that's all I remember is that I, I turned my phone on after the movie. And, and, and you're like, had oh. The, had the email that Nick Holden had been traded. And I was like, what? <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's a good place to take our first break. Because if you haven't got in on it yet, DraftKings has brought legal sports betting to Colorado. Look, it might have flown under your radar. It makes sense. There's a lot of more important things going on right now. But with sports starting to come back, DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's not some offshore operation that's all sketchy or anything like that. It's legit, and they have great deals all the time. They have opt-in deals where you can get free bets, you can get odds boosts, all sorts of amazing stuff that I've been taking advantage of quite a bit lately, betting on the Korean Baseball League myself. But they have amazing bets from top to bottom, whether it be just standard game on the money line bets or specific prop bets, whether it be Kale McCarr winning the Calder or Drew Locke throwing 21 touchdowns next year. You name it, you can pretty much bet on it when it comes to DraftKings. You can download that top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR when you sign up for a limited time to get a $1,000 sign-up bonus. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a $1,000 sign-up bonus. Don't forget to enter that DNVR code to get it, and you can only get it at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Almost did it in one breath that time. We were close. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. So, I think we've covered some of the more obvious seasons, whether it being under Patrick Waugh's coaching tenure or the Avs glory years type of thing. This is where you start to get into some interesting years. Some people might agree, some people might disagree, but I think both of us have some personal favorites that we would love to see behind the scenes of. Mm -hmm. I would start with 1617. You want to see the horror unfold? I want to see the disaster of that locker room. I want to see what that locker room looks like once all the media clears out. And those guys are left to just stew by themselves. Or, alternatively, we could just pretend that it never happened and it's a 10-hour documentary of just blank footage. <laughs> but Yeah, I... Um, that's a tough year, man. Yep. It, it, I imagine that documentary would be like a train wreck where you don't want to watch, but you just can't look away type thing. Yeah, I don't know that that one would be multi-part. That might just be a straight 15 minutes of... Sadness. <laughs> yeah. Frustration. Yeah, or they open with the Blake away. Bull, yeah. And they end with Francois Beauchemin screaming at his teammates during practice. <laughs> Definitely uh, no positive vibes would be coming I mean, out of that. Screaming at them. Yeah. Not like Nathan McKinnon was upset about something, but like Francois Boschman sitting Yeah, as they were doing their their stretch as they were all sitting around the logo on the practice the practice facility ice. 
and him slamming a stick on the ice and just going ballistic. I mean, to see, that's what that's why I want this that season to be done because I want to see the schisms in the locker room. I want to see the cracks in the armor behind the scenes as the season just completely falls apart on that team. So, yeah. I yeah they uh, they had a five hundred start. Yeah, and and look, as hard as Detroit is trying to beat that number, seasons like that don't come around very often. So. Uh, it, they really don't. It's certainly something unique in that regard. As both that Avs team and this year's Red Wings team proved, all you need apparently is uh, Calvin Pickard and Net. <laughs> Guaranteed to have a disaster season. <laughs> nah, honestly, I feel awful for him. Me too, man. He's such a good like, guy. And he only played like he only played like three games for the Red Wings this year. Like, <laughs> right. He was such. A, he was such. A, he was such a non-factor. Uh, for why that team was so awful. I'm just taking a shot at a really great dude for no reason. Uh, did Jonathan Bernier just absorb the stank and then, like, bring it I to Detroit with him? I don't man. know. <laughs> yeah. It it was... Uh, I don't know. That year was really tough to live through on a day-to-day basis. I'm sure. <clears throat> because we would go into the locker room and it was like... What are you talking? I mean, that's why I would spend time talking to John Mitchell about faceoffs. Yep. And you know, if you guys have listened to John Mitchell on the radio, that man can talk. <laughs> and I don't mean that as any kind of criticism. No, I used right. to I used to have to go when I would talk to Mitchie. I would ask him one question and get a five minute would, answer. <laughs> he would give me four minutes of audio, and then I'd be like, "Okay, thanks, man." And then he'd be like, "That's it." And I was like, "Yep." Uh, <laughs> Got to talk to somebody else before they're gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I remember, I remember talking to Jerome McGinley leading up to the deadline and asking him, well, you know, how different is it? Yeah, you know, knowing knowing that you're probably going to be on the move, and this is this is, you know. Oh, I would have loved. I would have loved a behind the scenes of the Aginla trade call, where they essentially <laughs> just gave him away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think it would have been. I mean, the the uh, these guys wouldn't have given you anything, of course. Yeah, naturally. Um, but it's it's you know talking to again about what it was like as a player, trying to focus every day and trying to stay true to your professionalism when you knew the season was kind of slipping away from you, and knowing that there were players in that locker room who were wanting to go. Duchesne had requested. Uh, at that point of trade, his trade, yeah. he was he was desperate to get out of there by the deadline, and <clears throat> you know just what it was like, what it was like for a guy like Landeskog, who had to face the music every single game with the media yeah, and stuff was, like that. Well, yeah. Nobody, we didn't have any, we didn't have anyone to talk to, man. Yep, and you were just, you just. <laughs> Every conversation from January through March was the same thing. Right. Just so like brutal. I, nothing left to say at a certain point. Yeah. yeah. I look back and, and you know, just selfishly, like it was such a great learning experience for me because there would be times where I'd be like, oh, there's not really a lot to talk about. And it's like, that is a world where there's nothing to talk about. Yeah. 
you lost the game was over 10 minutes into it for the sixth game in a row <laughs> yeah just brutal it just, yeah and i think i think it's just a day-to-day you know just a, a look at that team and that frustration would have been i think that would have been interesting I, I mean, I think I agree with you that it would be an interesting doc. Definitely not one you'd want to watch when you're having a, a good day and it ruins it for you, though. <laughs> yeah, like, might be... Like, it, I think it, it's the kind of thing that would go back and, and be fun. Um, You know, like, the Avs win a cup one day and you're like, oh, man. How bad it was. <laughs> Remember, right? Yeah. And you're like, you look at like baby Nathan McKinnon as he's still trying to figure himself out, and yep, you know, Duchesne in that room, and and what it just, just all the different elements at play there. All right, would have been an would have been interesting. Okay, hit me with an upper then, AJ. Give me a different season. I mean, for me, the number one, the number one that sticks out to me is the very next year. The seventeen eighteen halves. The bounce back. Yeah, because they were just a bunch of kids. It yeah. was a bunch of kids. It was the Duchesne trade. It was the emergence of Nathan McKinnon. You know, Sam Gerard. Na- yep. Yeah, Nathan McKinnon breaking out. Miko Rantanen breaking out. Yep. Yep. You know, all of these things that sort of happened all at the same time that none of us saw coming. Yeah. None of us. Like most diehard like follow the abs on a daily basis nobody saw it coming there was you hoped for it you know there was i remember going into that season saying i this is the one season I, i won't know what to expect because you just don't know for sure you have no idea with so many kids who were who were unknown unproven you know Tyson Tyson Jost coming in and and Alex Kerfoot and JT Comfer all having their first like full rookie seasons. You know, what what is it yeah. going to look like? I mean, you're talking about a young team and new faith. Dominic Toninato played a whole bunch of games that season. Like yeah, Toninato, same thing. Like so, just just a. Sure. Uh, you know, and then and then the drama of game eighty two, the yep. drama of not even that, but the drama of them watching the the Blackhawks fall apart. Game yeah, two days before that, when Duncan Keith scored with one second left, yep, to beat the Blues in regulation that kept the Blues from eliminating Colorado. Well, you you had the whole storyline of of Jared Bednar bouncing back too after yeah you know, the worst season in modern hockey and right the Avs sticking Jared, with him Jared and Bednar. yeah exactly so I mean just so many through lines uh for for that for that team you know there are so many different ways that that team was a building block and I, yeah did you get into even more hindsighty but. That's also the year that they drafted Kale McCarr. So, <laughs> right. I mean, that's maybe that's where you start it. Knowing what we know now, you yeah. Know, maybe knowing you know five years from now, we where we look back and we're like, oh, Kale McCarr has won three Norris trophies. <laughs> right, ah. Exactly. So. You know, like what whatever <laughs> it ends up being. <laughs> like, you know, just knowing that it would be. It's it all kind of started there after 
maybe 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 one you start with the draft lottery it was like one last loss in this godforsaken season yep they go into the draft lotto and they get fourth and and division rival jumps them at that yep you know like <laughs> it was really it was really like worst case scenario and they made the most of all of it at every turn pretty much it like Nine, ten, eleven players had career years that season, or something. Yeah, it was crazy. It was kind of like this year. Yep. So where you know it was, and that was the jumping off point where uh, you know I they clinched the postseason, and I after the St. Louis game, and I go and I talk to Alex Kerfoot, and I say, hey, you know what? When you signed here, it was mostly because you wanted opportunity, but you also believed at least to some extent, the vision here. Yep. Did you think it was going to happen this fast? And he laughed and he, no. <laughs> and there no they were. Way. Yeah. He said, no way. I thought it would happen this quickly. Like I'm, you know, not, you know, it's just, he was just being honest. I, he didn't think nobody did again. Yeah, nobody right. thought that that team was going to do anything. And they like they made they made the postseason at 95 points. Like that was not a weak that team. That was not yeah. a like last year's Avs team that, took advantage right. of a really really down year. To sneak in at 90 and yeah. And like went and like went on an insane run at the end of the season to get to 90. Yep. You know to have an 802 finish, you and to finish with 90 points like that that team in any other year that team would have been done for yeah down and out and I'm, you're not even having the conversation at that point you yeah. are having the is jared bedner the coach of the future conversation that whole that team had 95 points though like yeah. that was a 95 point club and it was it was just an impressive group um they their belief their their youthful joy their love of playing together how tight they were, you know, you had a number of guys just trying to prove themselves like Andrew ghetto, you know, that the, the handful of rookies. Yeah. I got, I got the shirt on right here for, I mean, yeah. Second, second chance guys, you know, that, that was the full season of Mark Barbario and, and uh, Matt Nieto. Yep. Like there are so many storylines from that team. It's always going to be one of my favorite abs teams. And, of course, I'll be a little biased because I covered that that team. I was there. And that makes you feel a little differently for a club. But for a documentary, I just don't think that it gets better than that. Yeah, I I think it would be a great choice as well, certainly. Um, you know, maybe a, there's a future year to come that might be a great choice too, but we can we can dive a little bit deeper into other options in a second. For now, got to tell you guys about MSU Denver Online. And MSU Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, and we even have some of our very own staff members at DNVR taking MSU Denver online classes this summer. So whether you're a new student just getting your start in college or a returning one or any other option looking for a third degree 
first degree, anywhere in between, MSU Denver is the flexible option for you. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. We've covered the obvious. We've covered the recent. Are there any, let's say before this decade, seasons that really pique your interest outside of the super teams and the cup year type stuff? Um... I think, I mean, the 97 team that won the President's Trophy. Yeah. But lost to Detroit and Fight Night at the Joe. And you're essentially diving headlong into the behind the scenes of the AV side of that rivalry, basically. Yeah. And kind of what it looked like from the loser's end of it. Yep. Because you know how they always say that the history is written by the winners. You know, we would get to see kind of what it looked like from Colorado's perspective of being on the other end of that and having to watch them go to the cup finals and barely break a sweat and sweeping it. Yeah. I think that would be an interesting team. Yeah. Um, maybe the 2009-2010 Sure. I Duchesne and O'Reilly's rookie year, right after Sackett had retired and they made that playoff run. They were up two nothing right. in the series <laughs> against top seeded San Jose. Like they were supposed to be know. the the first rebuild that was supposed to work. <laughs> Obviously, we know now that it never really kind of came together, but you had a very talented yeah. team there with, you know, Duchesne O'Reilly Stasny down the middle essentially. <laughs> Granted, O'Reilly ended up playing wing quite a bit back then, but it a team that really struggled to put a solid defense together for a long time as well. Yeah. I don't I don't I you know it would be interesting from a more abs historical point, I think, to do that, because Duchesne, O'Reilly, those guys are, are bigger pieces of Avs history. But for that exact reason, I wouldn't mind seeing one in the couple of years before that as the era of, you know, Sackick's last few years and Svatos, Wolski, those type of players. It's almost the forgotten era of the Avalanche that no one really has a good beat on, that people don't really remember even what the team was like, granted because they weren't very good. But yeah. nonetheless, that I'd love to get more background on those teams. Like maybe maybe one on the Sackick one hundred point season when he was thirty eight. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thirty eight, thirty six, something like that. I don't know. That, he was old. Yeah, definitely well beyond his his prime, and that gives you kind of a through line, right, to to cover the season. But yeah, like what ended up being his last dance, really, because that was it. Yeah, that, obviously his career didn't finish the way he wanted, but yeah. I mean, it was like, he, I think he played 19 games that last year and then the incident happened and that was it. Dude, I, I don't know the official details or anything, but there were a lot of rumors at the time floating around that he was healthy at the end of the year and was just done. Uh, I I don't know. Yeah. And honestly, I, 
whatever I say would be speculative. Right. Uh, obviously, well before the time you were covering the team and anything like that. So <laughs> that was, I wasn't even living in Colorado. Yeah. You're what? You'd have been 20 by then, maybe. Oh, yeah. I was just, I was, uh, I was in that weird, weird part of my life where I was not doing anything, basically. <laughs> I know that part of life for sure. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it. No, I've, I've been I there. In my early 20s with no direction and no real anything yeah, at no, all. I, I was just. I've lived that life for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was just existing because I was supposed to. Yep. <laughs> so kind of felt like the Avs were in the same spot in life at the time, to be honest. Yeah, they, I mean, they really did. They had an identity crisis where they were hanging on. They had Sackick and Hayduke, and they brought back Foot. Yep. Um, you know, and they're, they... they're the next ones of, like I mentioned, Spados, Volsky. Yeah. Number Volsky of goaltenders that they ran through at the time. They never... Yeah. Peter Budai yep. was kind of like the hot guy than Jose Theodore. And, you know, they just never was... found themselves, kind of. Yeah, they were they were constantly searching, and Pierre Lacroix had not adjusted to the salary cap era very well. Yep. And the big, bold moves that sort of defined him at the height of his powers were gone. And it was just sort of a sort of a sad end, you know, even though I think there were a couple of years there where Francois Chaguerre was technically the GM. Yeah. But nonetheless, it, it was the beginning of, you know, what ended up being a very rough decade for the Avs, kind of, outside yep. of 9-10 and 13-14, basically. Mm-hmm. So, would have been interesting to take a look at how it all started, but... I, I I think we've covered probably the ones I would love, unless you have any any other ones that really stick out to you. No, um, not really. Like this year's team, just because they were so good and they were so motivated. Yeah. I'm... They were very, very driven. That would have been, you know, I think that would have been fun. Sure. 95, 96, of course, could have been interesting with a team moving here and players acclimating to the new city. The big yeah. wah trade, obviously, and then they go on to win the cup, yeah. of course. But yeah, I mean, '96, obviously, just you when you have a documentary that ends in a championship, you already have for interesting material, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Are there are there any non-ab seasons off the top of your head that really stick out that you think would be interesting? Hmm. Right off the, the top only, of my head, the only one that I could think of was the post lockout when they had like the full yeah. season lockout. Yeah. The, the following year with the massive changes to the league goal scoring was like right. way, way up. Right. Where, I mean, the league was just totally different. Yep. Yeah. Um, same kind of reasons. I think the, the half lockout year, the 48 game season would have been interesting as well, but, uh, boy, not sure. You, there's not been, a ton of controversy over the years, really. Yeah. As far as like season long controversies that you talk about. Yeah. It's not, it's not really the NHL style. Yeah. They, they don't really do that. So 
you could post lockout a little bit, but a couple years back when they kind of changed all of the slashing rules and stuff, and you you could having not necessarily a behind the scenes of that, but behind the scenes of like the league office after that video of Gaudreau getting hacked 50 times comes out and he breaks his wrist and, and the changes they're enacting on the referee's side on the fly, things like that would be interesting. But I think like a league office documentary uh, about how they react to crisis would be fun too. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, like how they, do you remember, do you remember when uh, they changed the rule? After Sean Avery screamed yeah. Marty Brodeur by or, standing in front and of him. Facing and facing like, the goalie, yeah. Like clown choosing himself. Yeah. yeah. And and then they like that night changed the rules where they couldn't do that anymore. Yep. Like that, I think, like a what does it look like from a league office perspective where one of them is watching it and is like, This is unacceptable. We cannot like, have this. Yeah. You you picture just like a like a malevolent, like angry Gary Bettman like <laughs> lashing out and being like fix it and like slamming his like little munchkin hand down on the on the table and like <laughs> you know like I, I just think like it's it would be such an interesting look to see how the league operates in in a situation like that <laughs> what's going on at the league offices right now like why are we getting different nonsense leaked to us every single day like yep. what's what's happening inside that building that's that's causing that I think it would be Maybe just a 24-hour Twitch stream of the league office so I could just sit and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I fear it would look far too much like the Effort Tweakers feed, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I'd see, I more imagine Bettman as uh, like the mob boss sitting there watching the Avery tape on loop going, Look what they did to my boy! As his boy being hockey, of course. But, right, of course. <laughs> but either way, honestly, I, I I think I'd be way more down for a league office documentary than for even an Avs one or any team for that matter. It would just be something total that we've never seen right. before. Exactly. Really, we you don't ever get those inside looks at how any of the leagues are run. Yeah. Those lottery balls were rigged. I'm telling you. Um. <laughs> Anyway, on that note, I guess we're out of here for the day as the Avs may never have a, a documentary quite like that, but you never know. In the future, maybe Nathan McKinnon retires a, a surefire Hall of Famer and they get in a last dance with him. We'll just have to wait and see and experience it ourselves, but... Anyway, thank you for listening. As always, we will be back tomorrow. We have another prospect watch along on Wednesday as well. So hope y'all will join us for that at 6 p.m. And we will see you then. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and they have been since 1972. As an essential business during these times, they have served industries from government, wind energy, military defense, even food and beverage. So they have you covered. No matter what the project is you're working on, whether you need rubber or cut metal parts, they have you covered. Foam gaskets, hose assemblies, you name it. Give them a call today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnbr. DNBR Avalanche with Hayfully